Good morning, everyone. It's great to have you here today here at First Christian Church. Uh, thanks for joining us here in the West Auditorium. I know there are some in the East Auditorium. I was just over there as well as we have a lot of people participating in our worship today online. I want to say thank you for joining us. And uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Wayne. I'm part of the pastoral team, and I've been part of this staff here for a lot of years now. And um, my life has changed in the years I've been here. We've gone from having two kids to where they were little, to now they are grown, and we've now been blessed with four grandbabies while we've lived here in Decatur. Um, we have two little girls and two little boys, and um, there are four and under, all four of them. So they're, they're, they're young, and uh, they're full of a lot of energy and life, and so you can imagine when they all come to our home, four of them, you're, you're, it's um, a lot of movement, That'd be a good way to put it. A lot of some would say bedlam. I wouldn't say bedlam. No, um, glorious chaos might be a good way to describe it. There's chaos, and it's all glorious. I mean, there are some moments that don't feel quite so glorious in the moment, but in retrospect, you'll go, "It's all glorious. It's all wonderful." And um, uh, so we've got used to having the little ones around again, and uh, particularly. Uh, we we're blessed that they were all born here in the city, and so we got to be part of their lives in that regard as little children. Here's a, as little babies, here's a photo of the twins. We have twin boys. They're now four. Uh, this is uh, taken just a few days after they were born, all snug and tight in their beds, if you will, all swaddled up, you know, as parents do for babies these days. As a matter of fact, what parents have done for ba with babies uh, for centuries this idea of swaddling young infants, it's sort of to recreate the tightness of a mother's womb. And when, <laughs> when Courtney had two babies in her womb, I mean, it was really, really tight, as you can imagine. Now, this business of um, swaddling uh, is a traditional practice, experts say. It's a traditional practice of wrapping a baby up gently in a light, breathable blank blanket to help them feel calm and help them to sleep. They should only, the experts say, I got this off a of national, one of our federal government websites. They should only have their body wrapped and not their neck or head. Well, do you think? <laughs> do you think? I don't know that we had to write that out, but I suppose we did. The idea is that being swaddled will help your little one feel snug and secure, kind of like how they felt in, in the womb. And um, so we have this understanding that babies are done like this. And to show you how, an ex, how such an expert grandfather that I am, We've got, we've got, I'm just joking, of course. We've got somebody here. This is little Ezra. Oh, my hands are cold in your back, aren't they? Okay. And he's, he's going to be my um, demonstration today to see if I can still know how to, how to, isn't he cute? You looking at that? I got your belly showing in church. I'm not supposed to show your belly in church. Okay, you want to try this, bud? Years from now, they're going to say, you, you, you were the baby on... Oh, it's bright lights, isn't it? Oh, he's, you should see the eyes he's giving me. We'll see if we go up like this. Oh, oh, did I catch your arm? He's trying to wiggle that arm loose. Now, do you like it? Wait, you got your arm out already? I didn't do very well, did I? You know what he says? This is my second time starring in this show. <laughs> All right, bud. Bless you. Go back to mommy. 
All right, some of you are wondering, why did you do that, Wayne? Some of you are also wondering, why did those parents uh, allow me to manage their offspring? <laughs> you get that. Uh, but here's, here's why I brought that to your attention, because it's mentioned, that idea of wrapping a baby up, did you know it's mentioned in the Christmas story? We read this from Luke chapter 2, that Caesar issued a decree. I want to know how many people are in the Roman Empire. Uh, so take a census across the entire Roman world. Everyone's responsible to go to their own town to register. So Joseph, who lived in Nazareth, but his family home was in Bethlehem, takes, goes to Bethlehem. He went there to register with Mary, his fiancée, who was expecting a child. And while there, the time came for the baby's birth, a son. Mary wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger. Some of you may recall that story or that text from perhaps an older version of scripture that has different, more old-style English that says it this way. Mary brought forth her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in what? Swaddling clothes. That's where this understanding of swaddling originates, if you will. It doesn't seem like such a big deal at first glance. Isn't that what all parents do for babies? I mean, isn't what grandpas do for infants when you're responsible to hold your infant? I mean, so Mary wrapped up the baby. What's the big deal with that? Well, that's where we find a surprise in the Christmas story. See, we've been looking at, uh, for the recent weeks, going into through this Advent season leading up to Christmas, um, we've been looking for the surprises that we could find in Scripture. And I've said this each weekend, that people of faith expect the unexpected. Part of choosing to be a person of faith is you say, I want to know how God's going to invade this particular story. And because we know that we live within realities of life, where our, I mean, we pay the bills, we, do, we, we go to work, we have kids, we do everything that people of non-faith do. But if you're a person of faith, we also look for settings and relationships where an unexpected divine moment might come along. In other words, we look for heaven's work in unlikely places or unlikely people. And there are places within the story of Jesus' birth where that comes up. For example, think of the story of Mary. Here you have Jesus' mother, probably a young teenage girl, doing what young teenage girls did some 2,000 years ago. And out of the blue, out of nowhere, a crazy event happens. Gabriel, the messenger angel of God, shows up and says, don't be afraid, Mary. Who got the crazy idea, but you need to know you found favor with God. You'll conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He'll be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Now, that's because um, Jesus' genealogy, um, going backwards through human blood, my easy way to say is if you go back a thousand years from when Jesus was born, backwards, you get to King David, the, probably the greatest king that Israel ever had, a thousand BC. And so he's going to be in the line of King David. God will give him, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. His kingdom will never end, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Talk about unexpected, a teenage girl. It's certainly a divine moment when God's actions are beyond the realm of expectations that she suddenly just becomes pregnant. Or think of another example in the Christmas story. 
Mary's fiance, Joseph. He too is minding his own business as a young bachelor would 2,000 years ago. Perhaps he's 20 something and he's about to marry and Joseph and Mary, we are learned from reading scripture, they've not had any sort of romantic intimacy and he's looking forward to what that might be like as a young 20 something man might. And again, an angel shows up and out of nowhere, what would we say about Joseph's world? Wouldn't we say it just kind of gets blown apart? An angel appeared to Joseph and said, Joseph, son of David, take Mary home as your wife because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son. Here's your name for him, Jesus. He'll save his people from their sins. You don't think that's crazy enough. What? This is happening to me? Look at also his unexpected response. It's quite unexpected. Joseph did what the angel commanded, took Mary home as his wife, But he didn't consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and Joseph called him Jesus. Adults, think about this. Read between the lines. Read what Scripture is telling us. A young man committed to a biblical view of sexual practices discovers an alarming fact. My fiancé is pregnant. One fact. Second fact. I'm not the father. What's, how, how, wouldn't your world get blown up? And yet, while he's got this huge surprise, you know, messing with his head, the next surprise is he agrees to this, well, what some might describe a preposterous idea. He takes Mary home. They settle into marriage. He raises that son of his own. And he's not, he's not a stepdad. He's actually what? A foster father. Hmm. Talk about a surprise. So, talking about surprises, kids, I've got some kids in the room here today. Did you get one of these as you came in? Did you get your, your present and your surprise as you came in? It says, and I know that somewhere in the East Auditorium, I saw you getting them earlier on. So now's the time when we're going to open these, okay? It says, Merry Christmas. Please do not open until Passway and tells you when it's time. So now's the time. Let's see if we can open up and see what's in our present. So do you have what I have? Do you have what I have? Probably, right? At least you should. (laughs) And you know what it is, right? It's a Christmas tree ornament. And if you can't see it, friends, what the Christmas tree ornament is, it's a a relief of a nativity scene. And so you have Joseph and Mary, and there's a tiny little baby. What's the baby's name? Jesus, right? Adults, what's the baby's name? Jesus, right? And this baby is the biggest Christmas surprise of all. Because the baby actually looks quite normal for a baby. Here's what I mean. It goes back to the swaddling clothes and the the blanket, if you will, that Mary wrapped up her baby in. There's the surprise. We go, well, you go, what's so surprising about that? Don't all mothers, don't all parents wrap their children if they're worth any, you know, if they're worth anything, if they have any comfort or care within them, shouldn't they wrap that child? Well, yes. I mean, that's what Mary did. She says, we read this, that the time came for the baby to be born. Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. That wrapped in cloths, the wrapped in swaddling clothes, the bundling of Mary's baby, 
That has great significance for us today. It's the surprise of Jesus' birth. If I could do a little bit of language work with you in terms of the original Greek there, I mean, I, I'll come to, I, just bear with me for a minute if you may. When we say that Mary wrapped in swaddling clothes or wrapping clothes or wrapped him up, the, the uh, Greek word there is spaganoo, and it, um, it means to strap or to wrap with strips. And, and the ancient people, they didn't have access to blankets like we have. And so it was, this was the practice of when any baby was born, regardless of the social strata, regardless of the family had lots of money or no money. When a baby was born, they would wash the baby with water, and then they would rub the baby with salt. Why would you rub a newborn baby with salt? It's a disinfectant, right? And so they, they, they disinfect the baby. Then they wrap the baby with uh, long strips of cloth, probably about four to five inches uh, in, in width and about five to six yards long. And they would put the baby like this and then just wrap that baby up like that. Now, can I just say, this is an, an aside for just a minute. There are some people in Christendom who have, um, in my opinion, erroneously, said, well, the way in which Jesus was wrapped as a baby was a foretelling, a prophecy of how his body was going to be wrapped some 33 years later. Can I tell you that the Greek words for wrapping that dead body are completely different than what we have here. So to tie the two of them together, while it feels like a nice theological tie, it's not really there in Scripture. But nonetheless, some of you are going, Pastor, we came to celebrate Jesus' birth today, and you're giving me language lessons. I struggled in my junior year with English, and now you want me to manage Greek on a Christmas celebration? Give me a break. Well, hang with me. Hang with me. I, I think you'll see how all this comes together. Because this word where it's used right here with Mary wrapping the baby, it's only used one more time in the New Testament. The only time these, that Greek word is used is twice. It's when the shepherds meet the angels. And the angels say, the wrapping of that baby is the way in which you will identify the Messiah. Here's how it goes. There were shepherds living out in the fields watching their flocks. An angel appeared and they were terrified. And, hey, don't be afraid, the angel said. I bring you good news, gr really something marvelous, great joy for all the people. A Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. This will be the sign to you. This is how you're going to identify this Messiah. The baby, you'll find a baby, spaganoo, wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And so the, the shepherds leave their sheep, and it's just a mile or two from the hills there, down into Bethlehem. And Scripture says they identified this Messiah, this Savior of the world, because they found this Messiah just as the angel had said, wrapped and bundled in swaddling clothes. Here's the point. This was done for all babies, rich or poor. And that's the unexpected surprise. See, if you and I were in heaven, I, I, I'll speak for myself. If I was in heaven, I'm not God. But if I was responsible for sending a savior to the earth, somebody who's going to save people from their sins and going to be the Messiah of Israel, you know, I'd want a lot of fanfare. I'd want people to know that this Messiah is coming. And I'd want television cameras and reporters. I would say, bring the paparazzi. Let's get as many photos as we can. Yet, God sent Jesus to earth as a baby. What? Fully in need of care and attention and wrapping. And what? There's the surprise. You go, I don't get the surprise yet. What's the big deal about that? This baby shows up. Well, 
I told you there's two places where that word appears in the New Testament. A Hebrew version of that word appears in the Old Testament. It's in the oldest book of the Bible, in the book of Job. As Job is describing what God did and as the earth was being formed and everything, one of the things he he says, we have this story of um, God using swaddling uh, to care for the earth. It goes like this this way that um, in Job chapter 38, there's this understanding that God wraps the sea and makes it manageable and cares for it by creating boundaries called beaches and land. And that's where that word is used in Hebrew. It's, if you would say, it's God caring for the earth. It's the way in which parents care for a baby. Babies need care. God's caring for the earth and making sure the waters have boundaries. And in sending a helpless baby in need of care and wrapping, God's putting all that together in this wonderful surprise that Jesus, God's son, fully divine, comes as a human baby, absolutely in need. Why? Comes back to this statement I've made before in the past. So that you and I would know that God knows what it's like to be in need. That when you have these moments where, man, my life is really in need right now, and does God know? Yeah, God knows, because God came in the form of a tiny little baby who was, who was like little Ezra there, kind of looking around, going, what's with all the lights, and kind of in amazement and wonder. God came in the form of a little baby. In other words, regardless of your life setting in this crazy year of COVID, st- still God knows how we feel. God knows our needs, and I know you have places of courageous strength in you where you can take on a lot. But there are also places within you, places of questions and fears and worries. And in those places, God knows and God cares. Heavens, heavens, friends. If there was ever a time when we need to know that God cares, isn't this the year? I mean, Just in the United States alone now, we've crossed 300,000 deaths due to COVID. That means 300,000 families, fellow Americans, they're facing Christmas this year in a way they didn't anticipate a year ago. That's just the deaths alone. Beyond that, we've got people like, I mean, I had COVID. And you, and you, you, I mean, you you do wonder, are there long-term results of having COVID? Or we wonder, what are the long-term emotional needs of our children after we've taught them all this social distancing? All that? If there was ever a year that we need to know that God cares, it's in 2020. See, Jesus Christ came as a baby, yes. But as that baby grew, he became the dying and resurrected Christ. And as the dying and resurrected Christ we have this wonderful picture of God wrapping his arms around us, putting boundaries around our lives and saying, I've got this. I'm the God of the universe. I've got this. Friends, I'm quite convinced that God wraps his arms around you at this season, and he'll do so in the coming months of 2021. And our response, lean into that watchfulness. Fold yourself into God's care. Lean into the care of the Son of God coming as a baby, yes, but living a full human life, fully identifying with your humanity, all of its strengths and all of its weaknesses. That Jesus Christ, the baby swaddled in cloths, came to care for you. And um, perhaps you didn't expect that. 
that by coming as a baby, this is God really demonstrating his care for us. Because now he, we know he knows what it's like. I've said every week through this series that we are people of faith who um, expect the unexpected. But can I say this, friends? I, I would go beyond just saying that you're a person of faith who's going to expect the unexpected. I would suggest you could be a person who could experience the unexpected. That God and his great grace will work in your life this year. And so to that end, let's pray together, okay? Father, I pray. I pray that you would graciously work in the lives of every person here. Every person, Lord, in the West Auditorium, in the East Auditorium, every person online. We have this sense, God, of a little baby arriving years ago, and we wonder, why did he come as a baby instead of as some sort of king, some sort of media megastar? Instead, Lord, he came as a child into the earth, onto the earth, in the same way we did. Fully helpless, fully in need, fully in need of swaddling. Lord, for each person here today, whether they be young or old, that swaddling is now gone. I get that in terms of the way in which parents care for us. But in the midst of our human strength, we also have places where we need your care and we need your arms about us. I pray that would be our experience this year, this Christmas season, in Jesus' name. And so friends, if you're here today, and you would say, hey, I've prayed a prayer like that right now, I would suggest that we'd like to have a chat with you. You can reach out to the office this week and we'd be glad to see, maybe have a conversation with you. Or perhaps if you'd like to even begin the conversation right now, you could do it this way, either in the room or online. You could text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, to the church's phone number, 217-875-3350. And uh, we'd be glad to start a conversation today or in the days ahead, so that your Christmas of 2020 and your year of 2021 is a year full of God's best plans for you. And may that be, may that be your experience as you experience the unexpected. Bless you today.